and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. It's a dangerous week. I had a customer that really just used up all of my ability to mitigate my behavior. Uh oh. So anything's liable to happen on the show tonight, there's zero filter from brain to mouth <laughs> at all. It's completely How is that different shot from every show we do every week. <laughs> you just wait and see. Oh god. So I'm apologizing in advance to our guest. <laughs> None needed. And our guest this week's Jeremy McDonald from Caldwell Cigars. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm well, thanks. So we're going to light up some cigars, and then I want to hear all about it. And all right. we always have to start the show lighting up cigars, so. Tell us about the cigar smoking. I'm smoking the long, the king is dead. Yep. That's also what I'm going to light up. I feel like the odd man out over here with the uh, long live the king. Yeah, you are. That's okay, <laughs> so the, the famous the famous rumor that these were meant supposed to be smoked back to back. Is there any truth to it? Con- conceptually, yes. In actuality, no. So... We started with our three flagship lines, which is Eastern Standard, King is Dead, and Long Live the King. So Robert had this like idea that it would be a great thing to make a cigar that would set up your palate for the next. In the process of doing that pretty quickly, we realized, one, it's impossible to do because everyone has their own palate and what they like to smoke. And two... Who's to say what cigar goes first or second or last? Or, you know, some guys like to end their day with a very mild cigar after they've been smoking full-bodied cigars throughout the day and vice versa. So it it really, it was to kind of play off that old kind of Arthur and the round table. You know, the king dies and there's a young predecessor. There may or may not be some innuendos that had to do with Robert's last relationship prior that may have something to do there as well. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm here to neither confirm nor deny any accusations. Well, it would be a good story to say, yes, we had top scientists from, from Nicaragua working on this smoke long live the king, king is dead next. Yes. It'd just be a better story that way. <laughs> we had scientists. That's right. Nicaragua's, Nicaragua's very best in tobacco science. We, two out of eight scientists agreed that it led into the next cigar perfectly. So I think we were almost there. That's, that's enough for me. Yeah. That works. Well, it, it is really difficult because my palate changes from day to day, sometimes yeah. from hour to hour. Sure. What do you have for lunch or dinner? And then you want something different to complement that. So it's, it's more so just a fun tongue-in-cheek like thing. But, yeah, there was a concept behind it. And it in gets its infancy. Pe- and it gets people to smoke two, buy two cigars instead of one. Right. So there's something to be said So for everybody that. gets true. Yeah. You there must smoke you go. Confirmed the king's cigar. Dead. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> then you smoke Long Live the King. <laughs> but there is something to be said. It's something we don't talk about on this show a whole lot, but the idea of uh, a cigar that plays second fiddle really, really well. Sure. There are certain cigars that are just so good on the heels of another cigar. Uh, but like, like you said, what, what works for that for me is not going to be what works for you and Shane. But those are the cigars that I love the best because I know that it, no matter what I've been smoking throughout the day, I can usually count on that to deliver a home run. Yeah. 
And also, what's the rapper blend and everything on the Long Live the King? Or, excuse me, the King is Dead. So the King is Dead is the only Dominican puro that we produce. And so rapper, binary, filler, or Dominican. The rapper is called Negrito. Um, do you want some history on the Negrito? By all means. All right. So um, it was a tobacco that was prominently used up into, as filler, I think, up through, like, the 70s. And uh, this actually takes us back. So when we uh, were working with different tobaccos on, on what would co- become the King is Dead, Long Live the King, the Eastern Standard. Uh, Leo Reyes is a supplier of most of where we buy our wrappers and our hybridized tobaccos for filler or binder. And he uh, had a tobacco that he had shown Robert back when Robert was uh, working with the Winwood factory, so when he was partnered with Christian Aroa. And there's it was a tobacco that he loved a lot, but it was extremely hard to... Um, does not play well with other tobaccos. But he was fascinated by the tobacco and loved the profile of it. I guess it's kind of a cousin, distant cousin to like a Habano. Right. Um, But it just has a very unique characteristic to it. But it takes a lot, a lot of aging. So it was something that over the years Rob kept going back to to see how it performed. Aged at one year, aged at two year, aged at three year. And it kind of settled on... Um, it was like in its sweet spot around seven years. So the blend on that cigar was completely based around the wrapper. So rather than starting with the base of like, I want to use this for filler, he wanted the flavor to be blended around the wrapper for that cigar. So we were the first to bring it back to the market and use it on a wrapper. Um, I think... I want to say, what's Sean William? What was his line? Well, Premier uh, Mundo. Premier Mundo used Negrito in the filler, I believe, in one of his cigars. I can't in remember which. In the purple which. band. Is that what it yep. is? Okay. He and I used to hang out at the same shop in Atlanta. Gotcha. No, don't do that. Act like you knew that. Act like you're a, an oracle of cigar <laughs> I, knowledge. No, I, I you, was riding high on the fact that you knew that because I would have never known that. <laughs> no, I think it's more important to say that I'm friends with Sean Williams because that, that guy oh, gets okay. around. Yeah. I, I want, I, that's the part I want to needle in. So you'd rather name drop as just me it, yeah, as opposed to be a savant. Yes. Okay, absolutely. well, I just, I just thought I would check. <laughs> and I would, good cigar. I always like this cigar. And all now, I smoke everything in a bigger ring gauge, so it's always when we have guests and we have a smaller ring gauge because these are Corona. No, it's a, it's a five by fifty. Yeah, five. So you got your like proper robusto there. Yeah. Actually, I take that back. It's a five and a half by fifty. It's an odd shaped. It's a half inch longer robusto. Okay. But um, yeah. So we brought that to market in the Negrito that we were the first ones to debut it as wrapper. And then I would say, what was it, three years ago, Nat Sherman did the 75th anniversary, I believe, and they used it as a rapper as well. So it was kind of cool, you know, I'll say that it's like that we got to put something out on the market that other manufacturers are starting to notice. We don't have a, like, we don't own the leaf, you know, so, I mean, I... I'm hoping to see more cigars come out with it because I remember as soon as that car, cigar came out, I went and bought it because I wanted to see 
how are they going to use this? Right. You know, like, because you don't have a lot of, I mean, you know, there's a million different Habanos, but it was like, there's two, you know, cigars using Negrito. So right. it, 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 it was a cool thing to see how they kind of blended with it. And, um, yeah, so this is definitely kind of the most special to Robert as far as cigars he's blended because of the fact that it took the most time to get to the blend that he wanted to. Like, it, it had the longest labor of love attached to it. It's got his fingerprint on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's part of him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the long live the king. And uh, what's the wrapper on that one? So that is uh, authentic Dominican Corojo. So Corojo is obviously widely used. and, and uh, But the fun thing about that is that so when we started blending with tobaccos, you know, the industry standard is that authentic Corojo only grows in Honduras. And at this point, that is a widely true statement, but it's not based on the fact that other regions did not used to grow it. It's because what was in the early 2000s when the blue mold and all that took out a ton of it, um, a lot of it hit the Dominican and the Corojo just did not stand up to it. But um, when we went to start blending our cigars, Leo still grows. And he's like, hey, I got some authentic Corojo. And we're like, wait, what? I thought it was only grown in Honduras. Um, Robert is a huge fan of Corojo. His, in, in the prior line with the Winwood, he used Corojo on all three of the Factory Fresh cigars. So, I mean, it was something that he loved, did not think he was going to have access to use again. So when we got shown it, it... it it's a softer Corojo in the sense the way it hits your palate. It still has a strength, but it's not as like upfront, that kind of like red peppery, spicy. It's a little bit smoother. And then you take into account that we also are using like, I think that's a six year, if I'm not mistaken, age wrapper. So it's just the way it plays on your palate's a little bit different, but it was kind of an homage to like his history of loving Corojo. So that's uh, got Dominican Corojo. It's got Corojo in the binder as well. Uh, it, and then it's Nicaraguan, Peruvian Pelo de Oro. Yeah, and Dominican Corojo. So that makes up the components. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious, how does the process work when a grower says, I want you to try this tobacco? Does he have a suitcase full of it? Does he roll up a little cigar and stick it in your mouth? Yeah, does, like how a, does it work? It's like a Coke deal. Okay. <laughs> so like you have to meet under a bridge at midnight. <laughs> He's wearing linen pants. You cannot bring any backup. (laughs) They show up. They unlift it. You have to show them your goods, and then they show you theirs. No, uh, what what was cool is when we were looking for suppliers of tobaccos to make the cigars, um, Leo obviously is a huge grower of wrapper and stuff. A lot of the, like, Avo Limiteds and all those things have used wrappers. Like, he's widely known for kind of mad scientist of tobaccos. His cousin Augusto Reyes is the largest grower in the Dominican, so most tobacco coming out of there is coming from them. So their family is just kind of rich in heritage of tobacco. So as we started to get to know him, uh, Robert specifically, he started like, hey, I want to show you this tobacco and I want to show you this tobacco. And they were small yields, so they weren't big enough for say, you know, if General wants to do a limited edition or a regular production, the quantity that they need is so much more vast than what we would need as a small boutique manufacturer starting off. 
So it's plenty enough supply for us. And uh, what was funny, though, is before any of the blends went out or before he sold the tobacco, he would want to know, he wanted to taste the prototypes of how it was being used. Like, so that's why I kind of say it was like, felt like a mafia deal. Cause even though none of that's true, it had that feeling like, well, let me see what you're doing before I release my right. tobacco. So they ended up becoming very close. And, uh, obviously he's, he's the majority of the tobacco we buy is coming from him. So it's like eighties cop movie, a drug deal. They put their finger in the cocaine, rub yeah. it on their gum. The see, first taste is free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> What's super weird though, is when you, you know, you're at his, uh, his fields, and Leo's extremely like passionate about like he talks about like his tobacco like it's like you know a lost lover from another you know like some woman it's all romantic but then he'll like pull the leaf out and he'll roll it up and he'll like put his saliva all over it and like and then he'll light it and then he'll be like after it's been in his mouth here I want you to try it and you're like okay <laughs> like you're I don't, not gonna say I don't no. know where he's been, but, like, you can't say no to the man. Yeah. <laughs> so the best thing is to be right next to Leo because then at least you're not the fifth person. <laughs> right. So you You're only the second. See, this, this is why people listen because this is important information. <laughs> yeah. Always stand as close as you can to the grower. Yes, because <laughs> when he hands you that, would you rather have one guy's saliva or six? Now, yeah. is it is it puff, puff, pass, or how? Pretty what's much, the system? yeah, yeah. <laughs> puff, you know, and take a little and go, mm, you know, and make, <laughs> nod your head. And yeah. if you can speak Spanish, you can get more yardage by actually talking about it. But if you can't, you just like, yeah, this was great. And then you hand it to the next guy, and you're like licking, you know, like wiping. <laughs> like, I just made out with that dude inadvertently. <laughs> That's why everybody's so close. Okay. So this is the most talking we've ever done without actually saying what you did. <laughs> so, how, okay, what is your position in Caldwell? I don't work for Caldwell. They found me on the street. I just was walking by. No, I'm uh, the the uh, national sales manager for Caldwell for Down and Back Cigars and um, a partner, percentage owner, whatever you want to call it, of Down and Back. So we manufacture and distribute Caldwell cigars and La Barba cigars. Okay. Well, that's good. And La Barba Ricochet, one of my favorites. Awesome. Love that cigar. I don't like the new one as well as I like the orange label. I'm with you. You know, when the new one come out, I, I was okay with it, but it's just that I still find myself reaching back there and grabbing that orange label. There's just something about it. But, so how long have you been doing this? Tobacco, like cigars? Yeah. I started in 2000. Um, working at a retail shop in California and worked there for 11 years and then I started repping for companies and um, the last company I worked with uh, was CLE so Christian Roa had hired me and I was developing the West Coast for them and then Robert had the Winwood brand and we started getting some legs you know with uh, when the factory fresh concept came out the cigar nerd in me was really stoked on that so I, I was pushing heavy on the west coast for it so Robert ended up traveling a lot with me and we became friends and then um, when him and Christian had you know split up I stayed in contact with Robert and we were just friends right and he'd come out to LA we'd hang out we'd smoke cigars and then you know he at one point said I think I'm gonna do this 
would you consider coming aboard? And I was like, put it on paper and, you know, the rest is history. So before we get back specifically to Caldwell, I got to ask a question that I've always wanted to ask somebody like you. We have people all the time trying to get into the repping business. They want to get into the cigar rep business. And we've seen all kinds of roads. We've seen Jonathan, who went a road of education and passion. And then we've seen another friend that just kind of has interjected himself into the cigar repping <laughs> position via mm-hmm. social media and all that. Somebody wants to get into repping. What, what impresses you? If you were looking to hire a rep for an area, what would impress you about somebody? What would impress me? What would, what's the one quality that a rep should have? A beard. A beard? Okay. A beard. <laughs> Drinks, Things dr- have changed a lot since <laughs> I was in the industry. No. Um, <laughs> no, you know what's funny is when I first started repping, coming from the retail end, I had obviously a lot of the reps helped me out when I first started repping. And one of the guys said to me, a good good friend of mine, and he's still in the industry. He actually has a line himself now. Like, he kind of went up the, the ladder as well. And he said, don't overcommit. Like, fulfill whatever, you, like, promise you're going to do. And he's like, and just be fair. Don't write a deal for this guy that you're not willing to write for this guy. And he's like, you do that, you've got a future. You'll move around from other companies, from company to company, but, like, you'll have a future. And it now being on this end where I'm hiring guys and have been and I've brought on guys that were completely green had no sales experience and I've brought on guys from other companies you'd think that would be such a simple thing to find but it's so hard to find right now because everyone wants to be uh, somebody in the industry they all want to be a personality and like so they use the platform of a brokerage to you know elevate themselves not the brands that they actually, they don't know how to develop brands. So as simple as it is, is I just want a guy who's going to be fair, be honest, do what he says he's going to do. If you got that, the rest we can, you know, you can train. So it's really odd that that's as simple as I go, but like, yeah, it's surprisingly simple answer. Yeah. Do you do you guys use a lot of brokers as well as your in-house guys, or are you guys exclusively in-house at this point? No, uh, we're primarily with independent brokers. Uh, it's a couple territories. We have two, currently two in-house guys, um, Jonathan Brandon, which is our southeast, uh, and then we have a guy named Zachary Harpold, who's out. Uh, we hired out of Colorado, but we restationed him into the mid uh, midwest so okay. he's doing like michigan and chicago and because those were territories we really felt um deserved and in the attention of having an in-house guy because no matter how good your independent is um he's got other brands and he has to focus on them and that's fair that's you know why you pay them for what they sell versus a salary right but um we, you know, there are certain areas that, I mean, your your goal is to, like, as you grow, then you would get someone in that territory. So rather than, like, oh, let's do this nationally because we're not at that level, it's where does it make the most sense for us? And the Southeast was the first area that made the most sense for us to hire someone that would be in-house with us. So... Well, Southeast, especially Atlanta. Atlanta yeah. is the, the hub of the cigar market in yeah. the Southeast. 
Well, and, and, you know, you made a really good point about the difference between selling your product and developing the brand. And there's something really that can be said for somebody who's going to eat, sleep, and breathe your brand, your product, the, the, the passion and the personality behind what you guys do versus on page 73 of their catalog, right. oh, here's these other things too. Yeah, and, and it's not so much even a matter of are they incapable of doing so. No, of course they can, but... It, you know, it's like walking up with six girlfriends, you know, and I want to introduce you to all my girlfriends, and everyone's like, okay, this one's the redhead, she's, you know, she's the wild one, this one's the cook, this one's the, and it's like, it's just overwhelming, you can't really, you know, like, and we wanted to have, you know, especially this year, we kind of went back to the drawing board and back to our roots of what we started with and and that's all through relationships and telling the story of like why we're here what makes our cigars unique why they're you know what they are what the branding is about and you and it's not to diss independent brokers because like I said we primarily work with them and if any of them are listening to it it all none of this applies to you (laughs) (laughs) no but the they can't take that time. They can't take an investment of like, I'm going to sit in this store for four hours. I'm going to make sure I make a connection with this guy because that visit is how they put food on their table. We right. can, you know, when you have an in-house guy, we can take three or four visits before he gets a return on that, you know, to invest in that store. And the independent just doesn't have that ability because yeah. they've, that it's, I got to get my order, got to sell, and I got to go to the next store, and I got to be able to do it. And it's just a different beast. So, so how often are you the voice of reason? Because I got to tell you, I got to preface that question. We had Alejandro Toledo on here, and Alejandro is just you know a ball, a ball of energy, and a ball of, and he's always moving, he's always jumping, Uh everything. And then everything you hear about Robert is he's really passionate. And he's really... That's a um, super nice way of saying asshole. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, We've, been just there. Um, <laughs> We've been doing this a long time. Yeah, yeah. That's very di- diplomatic. You, you kind of strike me as the guy that in the meeting says, hey, fellas, do we really need to set that on fire? You know what's funny? Yes and no. Yes, that's entirely what I do. But then I'm also the guy that gets whiskey in him and streaks. Like, you know, in old school. I'm yeah. like the Will Ferrell, like, everyone's going to catch up, I promise. I'm I'm also that guy. So, but in business, when I'm with those guys, yeah, it's typically like, hey, if we do that, like for example, Rob had this idea for a shirt, and I was like, you know, I don't know if that's the best move. And he was like, no, it's funny, and I'm like, it is funny to you and me. And I'm like, but if it goes out to potentially, you know, like the entire U.S., they might not understand what we're trying to say. It's like an inside joke that won't translate. Right. And, you you know, I'm like, it might end up making us look really douchey. And it wasn't the intent behind it. So I end up kind of doing that. And then Rob either follows and says, yeah, but he does it by like two days later calling me and going, yo, I got this idea. You know, and then I'm like, oh, that's a great idea, man. You should definitely go with that. <laughs> and then Alejandro is Alejandro. Yeah, and, and Alejandro, to his credit, <laughs> I, we had him on the show back in, I guess it was. About a year ago. Yeah. 
it was almost a year ago, and down at the Tampa Cigar Bash mm-hmm. in Miami, I walk up, and he says, hey, Shane. And he remembered my name, shook my hand, just as he remembered me more than I remembered him. <laughs> and it took a minute for it to kind of kick in the gear. Yeah, oh, yeah like, he was on the show with who us. Who is this? This is another Cuban talking to me. I don't know. <laughs> this is the cigar industry. <laughs> At all, but it was really—it's really interesting. But he is that bundle of energy. Yeah. You seem like you—you you get a lot of business done. You sometimes it falls on you to do the business. So unfortunately, what happens every time we have a guest on is that it goes by way too quick. So we're going to step away and take a quick break, and then we'll come back with more with you after this. Back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who's nominated me for Cigar King of Music City, Mr. Trey Dedman. I think you got the ballot wrong. <laughs> no, no, no. When Jimmy last week said, hey, yeah, you know, Benny My Boots, he's the, the wet warm-up king of New York. I really want to be the Cigar King of Music City. Can you not get this done, Trey? <laughs> I'm not asking a lot. I'll, I'll send it up to the boys on the eighth floor. We'll see what we can okay, make happen. Okay, see if you can get something done. Don't, don't make me call Alejandro. You're going to have to start going to more shops than just this one if you want that to happen. I go, I go all over the place. I go not nearly like I do. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not the wandering minstrel that you are. But you don't have the personality to be the Cigar King of Music City. <laughs> at all. We just celebrated three years. You really want to end the show just like that? <laughs> well, I mean, admittedly, when I walk in here, there's a change in the atmosphere. Yes, the green fog that you bring behind you. <laughs> but when you walk in here, you can you can sli- you can conceivably walk in here butt naked and slip in and out in a day, and nobody would really notice. If that I was a talent that I have cultivated, actually, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I know it was scary the first time I seen you do it, but <laughs> you can't slip it out. Okay, well we'll, we'll argue over the balloting process later. And now that you've let you... me say 12 words in the second half of the episode, I'm done again, right? Well, I was going <laughs> to offer you a knighthood, but talk like that, you're not going to get knighted. Our guest is Jeremy McDonald. <laughs> Maybe Jeremy can help me out. Jeremy, got a super important question for you. I really need to know this. What cigar did you smoke for the Super Bowl? None. I did not watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> I picked a bad time to relight my cigar. That that, that just <laughs> right. landed there for a while. I just dropped. No, I. I uh, you missed I a was, heck of a halftime show. I was show. playing with my kids. Okay, well that's important. All right, yeah. What cigar did you smoke while you were playing with your kids during the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, that that would be a fair question. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what what cigar I smoked. We'll just say on Sunday. I smoked a Ricochet. Okay. On Sunday, and an Eastern Standard. Oh, and an, uh, a very old Illusione that I, I that I was gifted. So, how much do you smoke a week? How many do you smoke? Because I'm a one or two a day guy. I'm not a big every you know three to five a day like somebody else here. I mean, it, when I used to work retail, I smoked between seven and nine a day. Wow. And. Uh, Oddly enough, getting on the other end of the industry, it slowed that. So I probably smoke two to four 
a day, and then a lot of times on the weekends, I don't even smoke now. You get enough of it during the week. Yeah, and just, I mean, like... Get your palate a rest, too. Yeah, to it, be- and then, you know, Monday morning... It's exciting to smoke a cigar. Right. You know, it's like, what am I going to smoke? I, I'm, yeah. I'm excited for it rather than, it, it, like anything, it can become very habitual. And obviously, I have a plethora of cigars, so it's very easy to just continually smoke. But I find it a lot more enjoyable to just, like, and also we had been at TPE last week. So it was like nonstop smoking from sunup to sun, sundown. So, you know, taking a few days is actually kind of nice. So, how much how much are you traveling? So I typically do a week on and week off. Okay. So, you know, that's um, last week. I mean, I traveled, and the, but so this week I would typically be off, but uh, it didn't work out that way. But typically, it's just week on, week off. All right. Now, what? How many kids you got? Two. Two. How about age? I have a seventeen-year-old daughter and a six-year-old daughter, and if anyone's interested. I'm happy to give away the 17-year-old. All right, now I've got to ask you this. <laughs> well, Trey's got one coming that yeah, direction yeah, fast. Yeah. So, so I, 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 we're going we're gonna to turn this into the puberty cast here for a second. I'm just going to sit no, over here and smoke quietly. No, because I've, I've got a daughter who's about to turn 12, and she is already starting to develop those, those teenager habits, the horror stories that you hear about. Yeah. Got any advice? Run. Okay. No, hide. Are you guys And then hiring? wait for her to become 21 <laughs> and then come back. Okay. Maybe not 21. Maybe it's like 24 when they start to realize you how, were right. how retarded they have been. Okay. Yeah, and then you were right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, a time right now. I, I like to pay attention to my six-year-old a lot more. I can understand that. I remember the six-year-old phase. That was a great, great. phase. That's great a great phase. age. Yeah. Yeah, you're just on the cusp where it starts to... You know, they start becoming a woman. Yeah. Things happen. It's very uncomfortable for a dad, you know. So I, I just suggest hide, or if you have someone, you can ship her off to for the next couple of years and then bring her back. Okay. Yeah. Just my thoughts. You, do you guys have any positions with 100% travel opening up? <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, he's looking for your job up here. <laughs> Trey's well, no, appealing just, to his sensibilities. Yeah, it, it's just interesting because, you know, we've had reps in here and, and we've talked with people in, in all stages of their career. And it's it, a lot of people talk about how, you know, being on the road that much is kind of a young man's game. So it was just kind of interesting to know someone with a family at home and things like that, like how that gets balanced. It's super tough. It takes its toll heavily um, because when you're gone, you know, um, obviously you're not there. So... You know, but someone has to put bread on the table, so you do things that, like, I mean, no job is is perfect. Right. You know, I I love this industry. I I love tobacco, but, I mean, like, it has a cost just like if I had to clock in and out it and sit behind a desk. Like, I'd rather do what I do than have to do that, but... Um, but it's still got its, yeah, it's cost. Like, it gets glamorized. Like, oh, you travel for a living. And it's like, do you know how much I miss my toilet? Yeah. Just because it's mine. Right. Right. You know, just or the home being, just, just being <laughs> home and, uh, you know, decompressing and actually, like, seeing, you know, being present while your kids grow up. It's, it's, it's a huge balancing act. The first couple years, it was insane. I'd be gone for, like, three weeks, home for two days, gone for a week, come back for, you know, 
two days, be gone for another three weeks. And luckily now it's gotten to the place where it is more manageable. So even though it's a week on, week off, yeah, it makes it a little bit more manageable. And I was home like almost all of December, minus a few events. So that was nice. So what's the strangest cigar event you've been asked to participate in? And we've all gone to the events, the cut and smoke, the sit and yeah, smoke. Yeah. The, you know, sometimes they have music, which I always think is a bad idea. And what's, what's the weirdest one? Give us a good event story. That has been like a Caldwell event? Well, anything that you've had to be involved in. What's the rating on this show? PG-13. <laughs> uh, yeah, PG-13-ish. Um... That means the story happened in Vegas. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, well, one of the most... We, we did a series of events where we uh, did these paintball wars. So we pitted stores against stores. So we would run a month-long event at the store. And then we would take the raffle winners. We came in... Uh, Rob and I and we would do an event at store A and then the next night at store B and then the next day we took all the raffle winners to shoot each other so I was on a team in the, with store A and then Rob was on and okay that's brilliant yeah, that's, really, that that's a good piece of marketing plus the stores loved shooting because like, oh, in, yeah, like oh, yeah. it's like oh we're friendly with each other until you put a paintball gun in their hand and then they're like going for the headshots yeah. and it, it, it's dirty but that that was definitely a memorable um, strand of events we did because, I mean, when else do you get to go shoot your boss and it not get in trouble for it? Right. <laughs> well, that would be really handy because, like, here we have Crown, and there's another cigar store two miles down the road mm -hmm. and all. And if, if I think we would fare pretty well against their clientele. Yeah, I think so too. I think by and large do I, we do would I do I hear well. a challenge? Maybe we could uh, set <laughs> this up. I mean, I think we could I think we could. <laughs> I think we could set that up. Yeah, I think this would be a, this would be a great great sales opportunity. <laughs> and all. Pit us yeah. against Smoker's Abbey. But, oh, I don't know. I don't think I No, them dudes at Smoker's Abbey are psycho. Oh. <laughs> No, Smokers Sorry, Abbey Nate. guys are great. I just <laughs> have to say that. We, we did a show from up there with Nate the other day. <laughs> and I, okay, so let's jump back to cigars real quick because I want to get the, the insight for somebody in the business. What about the warning labels? You know, this week, um, I'll just tell the story real quick. It's from Aficionado. And a D.C. judge strikes down warning labels for premium cigars. Basically, they wanted to put warning labels saying, smoke this and you'll die on like a third of the box. Right. And all. Which, one, seems like the least effective way to try to do anything about it. You know, we're not, it's not that people don't know that smoking can be hazardous. That's really, ignorance really isn't a problem. Right. And all. But what, what was y'all's feeling on this whole warning label thing? Well, I mean, when you consider like how much we put into our branding with our, like, you know, our bands and our boxes are designed by artists. They're not like, we didn't hire a guy that's in the cigar biz to like, you know, slap a pop like art make us the, the most cliche, you know, like our stuff isn't tobacco related. They're actual pieces of art. So when we were, as everyone was being faced with this, it was obviously like hugely disappointing to us when when the, when it was coming down the pipeline because we were like man we're going to lose like, this is art 
when we first launched, um, because the art was contracted by uh, renowned muralists, our boxes were empty boxes when we first launched. We're going for like 30 to 50 bucks empty on eBay because people were collecting these artists and they were like, oh, they made a cigar box. They had no, they weren't from our industry. They weren't, but yeah. people like, and so when you think about that, that's like, it's art on the box and then you're going to, you know, put it, you know, you're going to die. It's going to cause breast cancer, whatever, whatever. Although we, we did joke about how rad would it be if they let us write the Surgeon General warning. So it could be like, if you smoke this, your mother-in-law will never talk to you again. And like we could customize them. It would be the most amazing. We would have been all for that. If, oh, you, yeah. have, if think, you get to customize it, we would have been like, had a field day with that. I think you could still do that. Right. I think like. Put fake Surgeon General yes. warnings. That's not a bad idea. You could even call it the Surgeon General's warning, and it could that could be the name of the cigar, and it's just got all these like limited edition <laughs> boxes. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll cause it. So when you're in the kind of infancy of the brand and you're conceiving of the brand, how much do you think about presentation as far as the cigar? Because, you know, you look at somebody like Illusione or Tatawahe who don't spend money on that. Right, right. And, uh, and then you go to the other side of the spectrum to a to a Gurkha that spends so much money of that they don't have enough left to make a good cigar. How, where do you find that balance? How do you do that? Well, Rob summarized it this way because we used to get asked, like, what is the Eastern Standard? Who is this guy? What is, I don't get it. And um, he used this illustration and he'd say, you know, when you see a girl walking down the street, right, it's her physical appearance that like draws you in, captures your eye. So then you walk up to her and you start talking to her and you strike up a conversation and then it's her personality that either draws you in or you walk away. It's no different than a cigar. So the presentation is what draws you into the product and then the personality would be the quality of the cigar and the, and the profile. So there, it's not that one is necessarily more important than the other they, they both need to be there um, but I mean we don't advertise and like you know we don't spend marketing dollars our stuff is very like grassroots and even the art we have done on the boxes those are favors done because Rob has friends that are artists so I mean even though they're intricate and very nice like they ain't paying for them so right. yeah well and how hard is it marketing a product that, you know, there's so many regulations, okay, you can't be, you know, you can't have a Caldwell cigar commercial on the Super Bowl, and all, or you can't have it in the, how hard is it formulating marketing plans based inside the parameters you're given? Or is it actually a blessing in disguise because when you create some, your capture rate is probably much higher than the capture rate of Pepsi on the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard because, like, there's no way to monetize, you know, ads. You know, did this benefit us? Right. It's all just like, well, yeah, but a million and a half people are going to see it, so it must have some value. But, you know, when we started, it was all word of mouth. It was guys, you know, we're in store in Washington, and we hand you a cigar, you smoke it. You talk about it to your friends. You posted a picture of it. You asked for a couple more, and we had we gave you a couple cigars so you could hand to your friends. And it, and it really happened very grassroots. Now we're at a level where it's like all the companies 
you know, you got to pay for advertising now. We've scratched your back, and, you know, we haven't gotten into that game. So I don't know if it's hurt us because we still just do the same thing we've always done, which is just here's our product. Let's sit down. Let's smoke. If you like it, cool. If not, go smoke another cigar. We, we just want you smoking cigars. Right. So it's not – it hasn't really been – much of a an issue or really a thought for us as far as like I mean we hear people all the time your social media sucks or you need to do this or you need to do this and it's like well we're growing yeah why <laughs> so well and it's almost as as detrimental for a business to grow too fast as it is for it not to grow fast enough mm-hmm. You know, if it outpaces what you can perform and you're always back ordered on everything and your shop guy, you know, your guys at the shop can't get their products. I won't name the company, but there's a company that had number one cigar a couple of years ago that all of a sudden everything they had was back ordered. Yeah. And I don't know how much business they lost just because guys said, I'm tired of waiting on my product. Yeah. Happens a lot. Go ahead, Drake. So, so one of the questions that we ask every new guest we have on the show, uh, and so far, anytime we've had someone on that's representative of a brand, they've never gone off brand. So, just take take that for what it's worth. Trapped on a desert island, unlimited quantity, prices, no objects, one cigar. Oh. No one's ever gone off brand, so they're all bullshitting you. Yep, most of them. Illusione Epernay. Excellent choice. I love that stick. Yeah, I mean, if you if you ask me what would be the cigar from your company that I would take, I, I I do love our cigars, but that is my jam. It's been my jam for over a decade. Is that the one you had that was aged recently no, that you're talking about? No, that was an eight eight uh, eight eighty eight or the no, it's the Ultra. It was a okay. pre pre release of the Ultra. Um. Yeah, that's probably the, yeah. There might be a cigar I like more than that, but it's not about. It's what I want to smoke every day that does the trick. Right, right. You yeah. know, because like a, a twenty-six number one, natural and Maduro Padron, like I love it, but I don't want to smoke it every day. Right. Davidoff, Annie number two, which they discontinued. Uh, one of my favorite cigars, as far as the Churchill, but. Those aren't things I necessarily want to smoke every day. Like, you don't want to have steak every single day. Right. So the thing that would run in the middle that just does the trick from every time would be that cigar. Yeah, that's excellent. So let's talk about the Caldwell line real quick, because I always want to know, what's the Cadillac? What's the top of the Caldwell line? What's the best cigar Caldwell produces? That if somebody said, you know, if if the Pope said, I'm going to smoke a Caldwell, what one would you put in his hand? You went with the Pope? I know he doesn't even smoke. I know. All that, all those incense swinging around could mess Did with the palate. Did you say incest swinging around? Well, that too. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> we were going we to bring that to light. <laughs> uh, it was too good. I had to. Um, What's the top of the line? What's the Cadillac? The, the Cadillac um, of Caldwell... I guess I would say the last czar. The last czar is definitely like our most special cigar um, and unique in character and flavor and profile. It's 
rich. It's heavy in nicotine, but it's not a spicy cigar. It's creamy. Um, it's just, a, it's such a unique cigar. We have like Anastasia, which is a super refined, beautiful Dominican, but that when you smoke that, there are other cigars on the market that are kind of similar in vain, um, that are just very elegant cigars, but there's nothing like the czar. I've never tasted a cigar that tastes remotely like it, so I would say that. So what's the workhorse of the line? What's the, what's the everyday smoker cigar? Um, in our core line uh, is the Eastern Standard. And then just overall with us, Blind Man's Bluff does all the dirty work for us. I love that cigar. She, yeah. she keeps us, she keeps our motor going. Yeah, great morning stick. Yeah. I like the Blind Man's Bluff as a morning stick. Yeah. It's just a really good even. Now, the, and the Maduro you came out with, I like. And I don't know that I like it better or worse than the regular, but I like it. It's something different. Sure. And um, then what's the economy stick? What's the best one, best cigar for the money you got? Somebody's, somebody's hunting for a bargain. What's the best? It doesn't have to be the cheapest cigar in your line. Honestly, it's what's the best in the, mo- in the on, money. Um, I mean, honestly, to me, if you were to say what's our, like, you're asking that question, I would say the Eastern Standard Cream Crush, which is a Churchill, because it's a $12 Churchill that, like, I've put up and will put up any against cigars that are double its price and it holds its own to it. So when you're talking about not just like, it, it is a value cigar based on how good it is comparative yeah. to what it, it like, you know, it, it's in the major leagues, and it, but he's sitting on the bench, but he's still in the major leagues. Right. You know, so for that caliber of smoker, like there's a lot of guys that smoke, uh, you know, Davidoff and Ashton and Diamond Crown and stuff. And it's funny because the Cream Crush ends up becoming their like golf cigar because it's a discount, but it's not a cheap cigar. It's a 12 right. $13 MSRP, but in comparison to the guys that it fits in the caliber with, it's it's a deal. Well, and it's like, you know, when we rate cigars, one of the one of the criteria is value for dollar. You know, we, it's not just about being an inexpensive cigar, but it's how well it performs at that price point. Sure. And then, you know, we, we talk a lot of times about being, you know, in, getting into Padron money territory is kind of what we say. And it's, you know, that's all well and good if you can compete at that level. Um, so yeah, it's it's that's a that's a great answer to that question. Okay, what's your opinion on the cigar smoking world championship? Because oh <laughs> I know Trey hates this. <laughs> but, uh, I have no opinion. What 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 is this? I don't even I don't even I'll know. The, I'll explain it. <laughs> It is a bunch of pompous douchebags that get together in a room, uh-huh. and they all light up. They, they're given two matches, and they light up a, usually a petite corona or something, and they, they compete against each other to see who can keep it lit the longest. So it's a circle jerk. It's, ex- it's exactly what it is. <laughs> then that's my feelings on it. <laughs> well, the world record's over three hours. To smoke a pe- Yes, for like actually, a guy here in Nashville holds the world record. This week wasn't it held, or this year wasn't it held in Russia somewhere? Yeah, they usually they usually go to the Czech Republic or well, Russia. Well, it's because of the steroid they, testing. They they got to yeah, get around the they, steroid you know, rules. They, they make it a, a international event, and they you know everyone gets dressed up in tuxedos and they drink you know highball glasses for the nicest whatever, and 
It's just it's so pompous. What's the what's the game where they push on the ice? The like it, the uh, curling. Curling. It sounds like curling. I yeah. have, like I I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it's like. It's like the um, it's like you go to your doctor for an annual checkup, and he goes, "Well, you, you need to you need to be more active. You need to get involved in a sport." And they go, "How can we make cigar smoking a sport so I yeah. can get my doctor off my back?" You know, it, if there's one thing I could summarize like our company as is like we love tobacco, right? We don't have the like lineage and heritage of our grandfather coming from Cuba, smuggling seeds in his boots or anything like that. We're just guys who really love tobacco. (laughs) I was too. And uh, (laughs) could have been other places, right? But so like we're the guys that like accompanying, like it's a lifestyle because we're cigar smokers, right? My lifestyle doesn't exist in shops, right? It's a cigar's accompaniment to whatever I do in life. And the same for Robert and the same for... And sometimes people perceive us as like, oh, you're not like cigar guys. And it's like, no, we are. Because like, they're a part of everything we do. But like, I play music. Uh, Rob travels the world and collects art. Um, and like, there's a cigar in every aspect of it. So like, we're like the most un-cigar guys. But like, we're definitely cigar guys. Well, and I think that's a, a really important distinction because we, we get, especially around shops that have their regulars and then your reps and, and things, you end up with a lot of cigar nerds, which are great. Yeah, yeah. But then, but yeah, there's a, the unsung hero is the guy, like we were talking with our guest last week, his dad never didn't have a cigar in his mouth. Right. And those are the true cigar guys. It becomes... You know, maybe not part of their identity, but per- part of their personality, and it's core to who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's different between from knowing which you know cigars had Indonesian tobacco in them, right. and, and that sort of thing. I loved cigar nerds. I was one of them for many years, but when I became a manufacturer and realized that they don't pay your bills, I loved them a little less. Yeah. <laughs> They're, They're so busy they want collecting. The, they want to chase the white whales and this, and that's cool. Yeah. Like, it's fun. It's a great hobby. But they're not the guy who's going to buy a box. And, I, right. and like, you know, I have a family with kids. You have kids. You have, you know, I, I don't know everyone's. But everyone, we do this because it's a living. And when you, like, you know, I'll have guys that want to sit for two hours talking about the blend. And it feels like a giant jerk-off session because then they go buy one cigar after. And you're like, really? Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, let's take a selfie and I'll put it on Instagram and tag you. And it's like, that's cool. But, but like, can you... doesn't keep the bills paid. Right. Yeah. But there is a value for them. There I mean, they're the, they're the guys out there that are your cheerleaders. Exactly. And like promoting the brands and stuff. Because when so they're, they're sitting down with their group of five friends the next night, they're, they're spreading the gospel course, as well. Of course. So it's like a... They're needed. Yeah. They're important, but... So do you guys make a Lancero to keep those guys happy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is when we launched, we started with all geek sizes. Okay. And so we're like, oh, we're doing really well. Then we introduced a Toro, uh, and we were like, oh, we sell 50 of these Toros to the one Lancero. I guess we're not going to make Lanceros anymore. We're going <laughs> to... Because it's a business. Yeah. You know what? You can't just make things because you love them. We make them in small quantities now, so we'll make them available for those guys, and they know, hey, the Silk Road is coming out, you know, and it's the Eastern Standard Lancero or the Midnight Express Lancero, and then they buy it, get it, it's gone, 
we got to satisfy that element for that guy and ourselves. And everyone's I, happy. And everyone's happy. And then yeah. we keep selling the Toros. <laughs> so what part of the country is biggest for Caldwell cigars? What's, what's the hotbed of Caldwell cigars? Um... Well, it's, it's shifted over the years. So we launched in the West Coast in California. And so for the first couple years, it was definitely a West Coast brand. Um, obviously, all the legal bans and everything, California being so upside down, it's really changed that. I would say pro- probably right now it's uh, East Coast and like Southeast would be the two. This is probably the biggest region, but in a small condensed area, I would probably say like you're... New York, Pennsylvania, uh, and that. But this is this is definitely in the southeast a growing region. Tennessee, down you know Alabama, Georgia. Southern boys like to smoke. Well, just it's nature. We have the weather for it. Yeah. You know, I like Super Bowl Sunday. We were able to sit outside. It was sixty something degrees. I mean, you could sit outside and smoke a cigar in the middle of January. You yeah. can't, can't do that in New York most of the time. You can't really do it in California, even though the weather permits. Right. <laughs> Your HOA will come Right, right. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, do you, you ever set a fire in the backyard just to cover up your cigar smoke from your neighbors? No, but I have <laughs> accidentally set fires in my backyard. <laughs> also highly illegal right. in California. Right, also highly illegal. Um, well, man, this has been a blast. I really appreciate you sitting down with us and, and talking with us for a little bit. We're running up on the end of the show. Um, do you guys have any uh, social media or anything that you want to uh, plug? I mean, we have the Caldwell um, Cigar Co. That's our like Instagram, Facebook. Um, I don't think we're very active on Twitter. We're, we're definitely not very active on. The Instagram is the main way to like get us. All right. Well, I do want to talk about, you know, a shop we talk about a lot down in Alabama. Um, the cigar room in Madison and the cigar room in Shoals. Jonathan is going to be down there with Caldwell on June 18th. He'll be in Florence and June 19th he'll be in Madison. So if it's, it's a good time to announce that because if you're looking to kind of plan a trip to go to one of those because the cigar room in Madison is a destination lounge. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those places it's worth flying into Huntsville to go to the cigar room in Madison. And all. It's just a great place. So June 18th, June 19th. June 19th will be Madison. Look for Jonathan down there at the Cigar Room. And we'll hit that again a couple of times before we all, we love Jonathan. We've got, some, we've got some time, so we'll, we'll plug it a few more times. Yeah, Jonathan's the best ever. He's just, awesome. He's been really good. It's really introduced me to a lot of cigars that Caldwell. I would not know much about Caldwell. It wouldn't be something I would just pick up as I walked by without Jonathan having been involved in it Same. knowing him. Absolutely. How much is he paying you to say this? Oh, don't worry. We signed an NDA. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. <laughs> I'm, he's I'm smart. being paid in Anastasia. <laughs> no, I can't. I gotta get Austin to carry Anastasia here. That's my favorite Caldwell. It's a damn good cigar. It is. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We appreciate you spending the time with us. Um, Trey, how do they get a hold of us? Uh, we're on Facebook.com/slash The Cigarcast, and you can get us on Instagram and Twitter at The Cigarcast. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.